0: it's not something that i woke up last week and was like oh i think that i'm about to start fighting against racism in an institution no (laughs) there was preparation there was preparation for my lived experiences within the church that build the confidence of who i am in christ and who i am as a black woman
1: welcome to beyond service where we see jesus christ beyond the pulpit in today's episode, we're going to continue our discussion on running the races with Dr. Heather E. Burton. Let's jump into the conversation. Speaking of love, God says you can't serve two masters, you can't serve mm-hmm. God and mammon, you know, being you know, money or whatever. But they also you also have the Ten Commandments where basically you shall have no other God but uh before me. So I some really of this in, I got a funny story as yeah, okay. actually you were saying
0: you can't serve two masters. I remember when I was younger. I don't know why I, and this is what I'm talking about, reading the Bible for yourself. Yeah. I used to always think the pastor was saying, you can't serve two masters, God and mammoth. And I was like, I can't <laughs> understand. I remember saying to my mom, I can't understand what that means that you can't serve God in a will. I just don't understand. that. my mom explained it. It was mammon and wealth and money. And so that's what I mean about studying and reading yes. and knowing the word. Uh, yeah. And another one that I joke with is the um, bomb in Gilead. <laughs> I see where uh, this is going. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, well, "Why are these people so excited about?" And you know, you're a kid in church, and you're just listening, yeah. and everyone's so excited about the bomb in Gilead. And I'm like, "But the bomb blows people up." I'm so confused. <laughs> Didn't realize it was B A L M versus right? B-M-B
1: Right. And so I think that's
0: the and that, and I shared this with your audience just for the reality of my own story. Yeah. What it means to read the word. And, and 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 understand and see things for yourself instead of just that hearing because if i kept if i kept listening and never picked up the word or got an explanation i would still be thinking it's mammoth right and or bomb B-O-M-B and like why is Gilead being blown up and everyone's so excited?
1: (laughs) Right, right, right. So thanks for sharing the good uh, news with everyone that um, God doesn't support mass explosions. Um, (laughs) Although... There's going to be a day, according to Revelations, yeah. it's going to be very ugly times. So, for anybody who's listening, you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all you got to do is just reach out to Him and just say, Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And if you believe in Him and you accept and you said those words truly from your heart, you can be saved. Now, I usually save that for the end of the podcast, but you know, God just laid on my heart that I need to just share that right now, that, you know, it's never a wrong time for an altar call, digital or physical. All right. So just want to put that out there for you guys. Put this on repeat, or you may rewind back another 30 or 40 seconds if you need to hear that confession again. I know it's something that I've said, and I've had to say that to the Lord, uh, as well as uh, Heather, Dr. Heather, she's had to say that as well, too. So we've all fallen short of God's glory. And today we're just going to talk about how people have fallen short of God's glory in terms of race relations, in terms of sexism as well as various uh, other special interest groups we may talk about. Speaking of special interest groups, one of the things I've noticed people do, they tend to sort of worship these groups more than they worship God. It seems like Oh, having the black experience is becoming idolized rather than worshiping God. Perhaps, you know, worshiping your own gender identity or putting it as a higher priority over God or even um, uh, sexuality or like femininity as well as masculinity. All of a sudden, these things are starting to take precedence over the Holy Spirit. Talk to me about what would be your advice to someone who may claim All right. And I'm just going to use the word claim in quotes here to be a Christian. But yet, you know, they're more excited about various civil justices rather than souls being saved. How would you talk to them?
0: Um, Well, first, thou shall have no other gods before me. And so I think when we are talking about idols, there should not be anything before above God and um, our relationship with God. And you said this earlier and I go back to it. The fear of the Lord is number one. And so we must fear the Lord in all the work that we do. And when God calls you or, you know, you may be in a space where God has called you to fight social justice or God has called you to fight against racism. That doesn't mean that God has called you to give up your relationship with Christ or uh, to give up, you know, the, yeah, your relationship with Christ or to give up, you know, to God and make God second in that. Because when you make God second, we've seen so many examples throughout the Bible in which God become, does not become the premise of our work or the premise of our ministry. And that's disobedience. And God, we, we suffer the consequences. We deal in the consequences. And so I would say to those people, it's great to do social justice work. It's great to do advocacy. Martin Luther King is a great example. Um, others have done great social work uh, when it comes to delivering the word of God. I think about even you know current preachers and pastors that do social justice and work. Uh, I did a panel with, with, with uh, a group of pastors who were doing social justice, but the social justice does not become the premise of the ministry. The social justice is a subset of ministry or fighting against racism and genderism is a subset of ministry. Right. So we have to, I mean, we have to deal in that space where we're fighting against systemic racism, we're fighting to empower uh, women as it relates to, be, as it relates to equity and issues of, of gender equity. But that should not be the premise because the thing about it is, this is where I go, Chris, is that if you're gonna do that work, you've gotta have a foundation. Yeah. And you've got to be dependent upon Christ and your relationship with Christ. I pray every day, the armor of God, before I walk into work and before I deal with the work that I do on a daily basis, yeah. because if I didn't have, and, and, and I will say this, the people that I work with that are doing the work with me, the majority of them are Christians. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that. If we didn't have the Lord, we couldn't do the work. Yeah. Right. Because activism, even one of my mentees, you know, she, she's out in the community a lot, but her faith is what is the premise of doing the work. And, and I think, you know, I, I, I think that if we aren't focused on our foundation, our relationship with Christ, you, you don't have it to do this work.
1: Right. Right. As far as that foundation is concerned though, I mean, there's uh, you know, the civil justice and injustices as well too that are out there. Um, I was trying to look this scripture up real quickly, but it's somewhere in the Proverbs it says a wise man wins souls. How is that reflected in our daily lives? So, for example, for me, you know, even just doing that spontaneous altar call, you know, that's me trying to fulfill that specific proverb. And then there are times where I found myself, you know, working with, let's say, a lot of uh, black kids or black individuals. And then there are times afterwards where I kind of have to scold myself. I'm just like, man, did I really talk with them about Jesus? You know, did I talk with them about uh the Bible? You know, were you know, was my actions just enough, Lord God? You know, those are some of the sort of prayers that I have when basically Being a dual citizen. Let me put that word out there. Being a dual citizen where, hey, I'm a member of the human society. I'm a member, uh, I'm a citizen of the United States, but yet I'm seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness and, quote, everything else would be added unto me. So that duality right there, um, is that something, um, if you could just, I don't even have a question, but given that perspective, how do you see that duality in your, quote unquote, everyday life?
0: So I'll tell you your scripture was Proverbs 1130.
1: Yes, you're right. That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's there's so much going through my head right now. Well, you're great.
0: (laughs) You're great. Because I tell people I can quote scripture, but I can't tell you where it's found. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I would differ with you, Chris, with the duality.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I wouldn't put myself as a duality. So to comment on that, I would say I am a Christian living in America. OK, so um, I and I think that's sometimes where we can get confused. And when I say Actually, that, you know
1: I, what? Yeah, let me let me see if I can even clear this up with another scripture, even with the Lord's prayer. Um, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the duality I'm talking duality, about. Right there. OK, yeah. So,
0: yeah. So speaking of our role as Christians within or our us as Christians, I don't say our role, us as Christians within a role of American society. Yeah, And so I go back to this is what, you know, and I, I was listening to you talk about, you know, when you asking yourself and question yourself, did I say enough? Did I talk to this person about Jesus? Then I mentioned Jesus. I, I think we also have to realize that as Christians, if we are Christians, our testimony is our walk and our testimony is what we do. We are the ones that as the church should be the light in present day. And so if we are truly the light, like my prayer is that whenever I'm up, whatever I'm doing, people don't see me, but they see the light of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so if people see the light of Jesus, then they're going to see that difference, or they're going to recognize that difference as to saying, what is it that's making them? And and I would say it may not be that we are consistently saying something that is uh, quoting a scripture, but it's something that someone recognizes to say, what makes them different within this society. And so when we're fighting against injustices and we're talking about how do we, how do we live within this space of Christians fighting against injustices, fighting against injustices means speaking truth.
1: Yeah. yeah, And
0: speaking truth that injustices exist. Um, when we don't, when we don't speak that truth, it, also, I shouldn't say this, or that truth, I'm trying to figure out how to word this, sure. but speaking speaking that truth means that we're standing up for what's wrong. But we let fear, which goes back to having faith that God protects us. And this is what I say, is that social justice and fighting against racism, discrimination, it's a ministry all in itself. It's work that God has, for me, God has prepared me to do the work. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that I woke up last week and was like oh i think that i'm about to start fighting against racism in an institution yeah. no <laughs> there was preparation there was yeah. preparation for my lived experiences within the church there was and i and I would say this there's preparation within within the church that build the confidence of who i am in christ and who i am as a black woman
1: it's actually so, interesting that you brought that up too because um um, there are a couple of examples where I, uh, like in Amos chapter five, I want to say around rough, roughly verse twenty-four, um, it talks about how the Lord begins to ignore our worship or begins to ignore our um, our holy assemblies and you know so forth. All these things that are quote unquote designed on the outside to give the appearance of worshiping and honoring God, and here God is ignoring them, just like He ignored you know, the plead of Balaam. And in uh, Amos chapter 5, verse 24, you you had some serious oppression that was being ignored by, for example, the worshipers. And yet they're trying to worship God and thank God like the Pharisees. And yet they're doing all this oppression. They're probably, you know, overtaxing the poor or, you know, just all sorts of um, capitalism mishaps. Let me just focus, just say capitalism mishaps. I don't... I don't hate capitalism fully, but I'm just saying it's not perfect. But that being said, there's an example in Amos chapter 5 where God um, begins to, in the Old Testament, uh, speaks out or acts out against oppression and even sort of rebukes the quote-unquote holy folks. I mean, that's sprinkled throughout, you know, all the way up to Malachi chapter one, even. You know, Malachi chapter three, verse 10. Everybody knows that scripture where, you know, bring your tithes into the storehouse. Bring, bring your tithes the to they, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they don't talk about Malachi chapter one, where the priests were being reprimanded for taking bad, mm-hmm. um, for bad offerings. And uh, <sighs> this is a side note. This is a side note. Uh, <laughs> just so that everybody knows this is a real conversation and this is not like scripted. All right. Right. There was a time where um, I played poker. I played poker. I, I played poker and I was pretty good at it to the point where, you know, I would I played in, you know, those poker things on TV and stuff like that. You know, whatever. <laughs> uh, so the thing is, um, there I'll play poker perhaps on a Saturday evening and then I will show up to church with a lot of cash. You know, because it really isn't about the money um, for most poker players who are really into it. It's just the thrill of the game itself. Right. And so I remember I got second place in a tournament and I was sad. I was upset. Um, and the thing is, I even forgot the money. So somebody brought, gave me the money and I went to church and I was just like, I stuffed it in an envelope. And I'm like, here, I'm just giving it to church. And the thing is, people around me looked at me weird. The, the ushers, they looked at me weird. Some of the deacons looked at me weird. But they took the money, though. They took the money. They didn't question where it came from. And so when I read Malachi chapter one, you know, that's where I was just like, you know, why don't churches have uh, disclaimers in their membership bulletin saying, hey, not only do we expect financial obligations, uh, but this is the type of money we're not going to take. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. If you're this if you're involved good, in this area,
1: we need you to repent first before you start giving. Okay, you know stuff like that. So that's just a quick side note. This is a very much real conversation. I don't know. I may edit this out or not. I have no idea yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> All right. but I,
0: think, I think that's the beauty of the real conversation. Is yeah. that it allows us to see, and I was listening to you as we we're talking about the money, as we we're talking about Amos, as we we're talking about you know oppression and God fighting against oppression, it goes back to the whole, when we talk about the totality of the Bible yeah. and using the totality of the Bible, we're going to get different passages that focus on different things. For instance, you know you, you mentioned, and the Bible mentions, that the poor will be, always be amongst us. Yeah. And oppression existed in the Bible. But then as you, you quote Amos, is that God was not pleased with what was happening with the oppressed? Yeah, and so there was an addressing to, uh, we, we want to use the word social justice. There was a, a an addressing to economic disparities that were happening with the oppressed. Yeah, and, and and but but if we take the totality, then we're we're fighting against.
1: Yeah, well
0: here go to the oppress they gonna exist. Yeah, but. So, so we should mistreat yeah. the oppressed. But then we go to Amos and said, no, we can't mistreat the oppressed. And so that's where I think we go wrong. Yeah. In our relationship. And I'll say this: our relationship with the word of God. Yeah. Is, is that we we try to we try to put this big summary. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember a, a wise woman, an older woman at my at our church told my mother, um, she said, Why do we try to confine God to Genesis to Revelations?
1: Okay, I'm listening.
0: If we continue continue to confine God in Genesis to Revelations, then we miss what God has put us on this earth to do and uh, our growth as Christians. Mm -hmm. Because we try to put God in this box. And in other words, we're putting God in the box and we're limiting God for only what's right there in the writing.
1: Yeah, we put him in a box and then we call him a genie.
0: Yes, yes yeah because they saying Lord I need this Lord I want that and we waiting for
1: from to. yeah right <laughs> just,
0: the Muslims can't see my head not right now but yeah I know
1: yeah, so <laughs> yeah 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 it's interesting that you brought that up as well too um because the thing is um the type of boxes that we put them in um I came across the Queen James Bible I think um it's basically a Bible that was edited to be more gay affirming and, you know, there's various kind of rewrites, Leviticus chapter four, Romans chapter one, and the list goes on. Now, I haven't read the full, bi- um, the Bible, but there was one particular, uh, scripture that I was thinking, Hey, they didn't edit this scripture. And I think it's uh, Judges chapter 19. Um, there's a full story on how I came across Judges chapter 19 to begin with. I'm not going to get into it. Um, Judges chapter 19, this is the story of the Levite and the concubine. Um, basically, it starts off very much realistic, where you had this priest, Levite, who had a wife, but he also had a concubine. And this concubine he loved. And given the context of the times back then concubines is not like your current side piece it had much more of a, a societal role for example if your right. wife dies and stuff of that nature this concubine comes in and already knows how everything sort of runs and works and can be that wife whatever was it god ordained i'm not so sure about it but the long story short is that it came to a situation during their travels with this levi and the concubine he he was uh, raided or at least all the homosexuals in the town of Jibia, which is in Benjamin, wanted basically to rape the Levite they wanted to rape this priest and uh, the owner of the home uh, didn't allow it. And the long story short again is they ended up raping and killing uh, the concubine, which, yes. yes, And and that sparked a civil war. war. Yeah. Yeah. So that sparked a civil war. And then that war uh, was basically the 11 tribes of Israel against the tribe of Benjamin. Now Benjamin was a pretty big city, you know, or the big tribe. Instead of handing over the perpetrators, they ended up sparking a civil war. And I did a podcast episode on this. So you can, did you? So the listeners can check it out for the, all the details. But the thing is here's a situation where in the Bible, basically, had a sanctuary city. That was demolished by a God-blessed army. And it took about two or three days or so for that demolishing to happen. Um, it did. The story ended with sex trafficking and all that stuff, but, you know, whatever. Basically, here's a situation where God delivered victory against the homosexual agenda, against the sanctuary city. Let's take a step back from the totality of the scripture and let's focus on the Old Testament here where we have Judges 19 in a situation where God is basically uh, nearly destroying a town that's a sanctuary city for homosexuals. How powerful or relevant is this Old Testament narrative to today's society?
0: Well, let me be, I'm going to be transparent that what I'll start by saying is not familiar enough with studying the passage to give this type of answer to say relevance or not relevance, because what I would also look at is to see what, god's destruction or its support of the agenda of the sanctuary city what was there a disobedient command that was done from the tribe of benjamin was there something and so i'm not familiar enough to say yay or nay to that but i think it also goes that just what i said about the oppressed and the oppressed uh, of the poor be among you and then not treating the oppressed right Here again, God's reason, and I go to that confinement of boxing God in, is that we can sit as people and try to analyze and understand why God did what he did. You know, why God put forth what he did, commands, but to try to understand Yahweh, we know that God's thoughts are not ours. Jeremiah tells us that. Right. And your ways are not his. And so to try to Confine and analyze I, always, I I talked about the illog- Illogical trying to make logic Okay And so if we sit And try to make logic Out of why God did what God did Then that's where we get To well here's the support Of this agenda here's the support of that Agenda here's the support of this here's the support of that Because if we look at other passages That are not in Support of homosexuality Again here is The time period, why was it written? Here's the time period why it was written. Why did God feel this way? Why didn't God feel this way? Why did God respond this way? Why didn't? And and I go back to that totality is that we want to take the totality to fight our agendas. And that, I didn't even think about that now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But that's the thing, to fight our agendas. Yeah. And not God's agenda.
1: So you know what? Is it God's agenda to heal the divide that's going on because of racism or...
0: Oh yeah, I think it is. I mean, I'm not going. God's God's agenda is for us to live as one, for us to be one, for us to be um, in community together, to love as brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't mean that differences don't exist, but when those differences become mistreatment, yeah, then that's where the problem stands.
1: Wow. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, because then, why,
0: why, would, why would God not want us to live as one mm-hmm. and, and then the establishment of his of creation?
1: This concludes another episode of Beyond Sermons, where we see Jesus Christ beyond the pulpit. If you were blessed by this episode, consider going to beyondsermons.com where you can subscribe on the platform of your choice. Take care and be blessed to be a blessing.